had one of the proudest moments I've had in a long time. Ooh. Maybe, maybe since the birth of my son. Ooh, okay. Uh, my brother texted me a week or so ago asking for my chili recipe. <laughs> and this is, he's like, he's a grill guy. He, yeah. Uh, like I text him and he's like, okay, how long do you sear the steak for and how long do you let it sit? And you know, the guy. <laughs> your son's taking some issue with the proud yeah, moments in your life. We'll leave it in, we'll leave it in. We don't have uh, this podcast. Yeah. So I was very, uh, I don't know. Cause I have a really good, there's no way to scientifically prove it, but I'm pretty sure my chili recipe is like top 10. Um, is there a secret ingredient or process or wh- yeah. what are we looking at as far as what makes your chili recipe? Because as, as long as I've known you, you've been a chili guy. Yeah. You talked about chili. I look like a chili guy. I think when I went to your house one time, you're like, I just made some chili. And I didn't think any of, of it. And then as we became friends, started a podcast together. I was like, yeah. He talks about oh, chili quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a chili guy. It's a secret. The process, it's the keys in the process. And you can actually switch around the ingredients. Like okay. my wife doesn't like spicy stuff. Mm. And so I have a, ver- like the real version has some spice, has some kick to some it. Some kick to it. But I, I've tailored it. I can make a really good version that's not spicy at all. And you just go in a different direction with it. So it's basically the process. And it's it's secret. I'm not gonna say it on air. Okay. But I gave it to my brother. I give it to you one on one. You know, I but not I'm not gonna talk about it. I mean yeah, we release these, so yeah. Yeah. So it's a, so it's, I was I was very proud. I was like, oh I maybe blushed a little bit. No. Oh. <laughs> And I, it was like long, detailed. It's like because you, you start with sauteing, you know, what said too much already. Okay. But maybe like a detailed. Uh, was very so was this trial and error, or is this you know Grandpapa's recipe? And you, you're the only um, actually kid that learned it. Well, how we, how we come in about this recipe? I need to give credit to my buddy Tim as well. Okay. Because back when we were in our early twenties, just we were together. We just, we just moved out here. And we lived in a place in the, the foothills with like the four dudes just up in a place. And so we kind of stumbled on it then. It was trial and error. We had some ghost peppers that were really hot from my parents' garden. Yeah. And we kind of stumbled on this chili recipe. And I've kept going with it. And I think he has too. So it's, 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 it's his too, but we kind of stumbled on it. We were bachelors back in the 20s. Built, built not, it. not the little 20s but like when you were 20s yeah i don't know and i guess i'm at the age now i could start entering chili cookoffs. oh i i i was gonna get there um yeah. are you that confident i don't think i've ever had your chili by the way i need to fix that yeah. i'm in the mood to make it i was gonna i was also gonna ask how often do you make the chili not as much as I should. I make it all the time. Start to find time. It's like a, you do it right. It's a three, four hour process. So. Well, I'm happy to see you happy. Well, hey. That's the only time. Is you, you only have, you're the oldest. So your younger brothers are. Yeah. They don't I'm also out for advice. I'm also the dumbest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's an interesting 
It's an interesting mix. Dynamic? Like it's not, it's weird. So if, if you knew all three of us growing up, right? You know, just from church or school or whatever. And then you were to go to them now and say, did you hear about one of the Taylor boys? I forget his name, but he he, he died. He, he took a lawnmower into a swimming pool. They would without fail be like, oh, Matt. Like there wouldn't even be a question of who did that. They'd be like, oh, that had to be Matt. And you'd be like, oh man, that's that's a shame. He was a weird guy, but who really deserves that? But those those riding mowers are so dangerous. And they'd be like, well, it's a push mower, but still tragic. <clears throat> but that's how the the brothers, the, the brother rankings. So you you becoming the best chili guy in your family? That must make you feel. Did you tell your wife? I bet your wife was pretty pretty happy for you to get that recognition she doesn't like well i said she doesn't like the spicy one she likes the, the non-spicy one it's the one thing i have to hang the hat on actually no come on my two brothers were in gifted i was never in gifted i don't even know what that means oh the gifted program in school oh. did not have that out here yeah, when but... growing up they were the gifted kids <laughs> what were you doing i was in just the with the normal people i know it took you like six years yeah. to graduate college I earned my degree in six years. <laughs> yes, yes. We're gonna talk about that. Yes, yeah, uh, Thad graduated early. Jeff graduated on time. Uh, uh, I, th yeah, I think that just shows that you fully experienced. It, you must. You must have changed your major. Like why? I got two majors. Okay. In, I mean, uh, history and uh, Chile. <laughs> history of Chile. Uh, I don't know why this is so funny. Um, I think you should enter a chili competition. Let me look into it. I'm trying to accomplish more. I think your family should show up and watch you. I like know. It's like a TV show, like a, a, a chili bake-off show. And Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I'm not willing to open my process up to the public. You know what I mean? It's better. I, I do it. I, I cook in the kitchen and then you bring it and people are like, ooh, what's this? And ideally it'd be like a blind test, right? Yeah. You know how they do the cook-offs. I got they, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't know who's is who's and you just... Are you saying, uh, you know, you've been wearing a lot of tracksuits lately. You think that would be against you in the chili cook-off? No, well, as long as it's blind so they don't know who's doing it. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. Like, you blind. Suit. They would just think you obviously were... unemployed guy in the tracksuit. Hey, come uh, on! <laughs> they wouldn't know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know. know. They wouldn't know. Because it's you know. You know so. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. Before uh, we get too carried away here, I also wanted to do for the opener. Yeah. Mailbag. Oh, we got some responses. I like we don't have it. enough for a full episode. Okay, but one of the things I mentioned a couple episodes back was I wish we got. I want to do a mailbag. You like mail? Because those are easy to. You like chili? You like mail? I like mail. Mail it in, so to speak. But we got some responses like to uh, base. I mean, honestly, it was to your terrible Harrison Ford. Tank. Oh, come now. We made some no. hay on. That. I mean, we don't really have to. I don't think it's that. Actually, some people, some people sided with you. So I posted a 
about how you hate Harrison Ford. No, see, this is already unfair. I know, but you saw the post, right? Did yeah. you see that? The, the scene from Clear and Present Danger where Harrison Ford is uh, pointing his finger. I like that actor, by the way. Bob Ritter. He was in... Uh, oh, Ritter? Yeah. Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. He he's plays a very a good kid. actor. I don't know why he never became bigger. He's one of my favorite actors as a kid. He's a character actor. He was fun. He plays a good, smarmy bureaucrat. He does. I mean that as a compliment. He's a very good, like, character actor. Yeah. Anyway, I like I like that guy. You slandered my name, and you said I hated Harrison Ford. Yeah. By the way, Harrison Ford's on a new TV show coming out. So. Yeah. Yeah, and no he's in the Yellowstone. He's, 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 I I take back saying that you know he's he's fairly active right now. Okay, I stand by my my statement that he's not the greatest actor of all time. He's, I didn't say actor; I said movie star. So we have well, to. Uh, we're we talking to, about goat. So the goat movie, movie star is different. Like the greatest actor of all time is like Laurence Olivier. You, you you know, and that's different than a movie star. Okay, a movie star, greatest movie star of all time. It's it's magnetism, it's charisma, it's uh, box office successes, a number of things. And I said greatest living. Okay. Like you can get into. So anyway, it's and my thing was it's a matter. Of, there's probably five to ten living movie stars who could qualify, and it's a matter of taste. But I'm saying Harrison Ford is in the conversation. He's not a tier below. As far as living, anyway, we could go down a rabbit hole with this. As far as like living movie stars, we got a lot, got a lot to cover tonight. So give, give me the, give me the. I'm just saying. So we'll go to the comments. We'll do a special. We could die. We could do a whole episode on Harrison Ford, frankly. So, Harry Ford. Somebody says Prairie Girl Reading on Litzy. Okay. Says I thought I was alone in the universe. I also don't like Harrison Ford. Never wow. had. Hey, I didn't, I mean, I appreciate the support, but... Um, well, she says, don't come for me, please. And I said, you'd get along well with Peter. <laughs> I, Harrison Ford's a good actor. I will say that. He's a good actor. Movie star. He's one of the greatest living movie stars. Mm. Especially he peaked in the 80s and 90s. Was peaked his a while movie. ago. He peaked a while ago. Yeah, but he's still around. But uh, anyway, uh, here we go. Wandering Lynn. Yeah. Let's see. Says she clearly listened to the episode. And he said, and did he ask who when you mentioned Paul Newman and Cary Grant? I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if my humor always comes across best on the episodes. I I told her you were trolling me. No, just a little dry humor. Okay, sorry. You were trying to get a rise. Yeah. Yeah, I was. And then uh, Karen, our uh, patron. Yeah. She says, finish the episode. I don't know if Ford is the goat, but I'm with Matt on his contender status. Okay. She says, also, Peter needs to watch The Godfather. Well. Because that came up too. And I don't know. I told her about the DVD situation, and she says, tell him it's a patron requirement. Okay. Which she said it in jest, but one of the perks of being a, a patron over there is you, you can make get a lot of leeway yeah. and tell us what to do. So I think here, with you telling me something to do, I I kind of scoff at that. But yeah, 
patrons has something like kind of Karen wants to do it. So I don't know, maybe here for March we'll watch the What if it's what if it's just with not my cup of tea? And we can make a lot of hay. We'll we'll do an episode on it too. And so we'll make a lot of hay about Peter and like the Godfather and you can rip into it. Be a good uh, be good content. It'd drive me nuts. I'd be very heated, but it'd be good content, frankly. I like it. Those are some good we got some good email. I like it. My dad emailed me and said, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks and the greater than symbol Harrison Ford and Dustin Hoffman greater than yeah, Harrison Ford. I agree, Ford. I agree. And, and you could tell he's old because Dustin Hoffman, Dustin, I mean, I like Dustin Hoffman. He may even be a better actor, but he's not a bigger movie star than Harrison Ford. Tom Hanks is, clearly. He's, they're the same level. No, uh, same now level. I'm getting angry. Tom Hanks is a higher level than Harrison no. Ford. They're the same. They're, he's one of the E. Tom yes, Cruise, Harrison Ford, and I, this is just male movie stars, I guess. But you can make a case Arnold Schwarzenegger there. Julia he Roberts is a bit bigger. bigger. Julia Roberts is on that level. Yeah, I, I'm just talking Meryl Streep levels. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Anyway, I like the male stuff. Should we have a prompt? What What are our next? Because I, I I can't handle. I'm gonna get a lot of Harrison Ford hate. Well, some people. How actually about this? Do. Is there a recipe that you have that you're proud of and that you get asked for? How about that? Yeah. I don't have. You that. can. Yeah. Okay. Do that. Tell us your favorite movie stars. You ask us for advice. You know, it was. It'd be fun. I want to do here. We get enough volume. Uh, I want to do a mailbag episode. Those are fun. That's your goal in 2023. I want to. I want to be able to once, once every two months, like, hey, mailbag episode. Okay. Feed up. Don't have to finish a book or anything. I can just answer your your dating your dating advice questions. And on that note, welcome to there will be books, a podcast about books and emails. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Good start, Matt. Good start. Thank you. Like Thank it. you. I'm proud yeah. of you. I'm proud of your. Uh, I, I I don't think that should be your sole thing that you can hang your hat on. Chili. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's other things. Well, you know, I'm working. I'm, you I'm read uh, more books than the average person. That's good. Yeah. You you broaden your horizons. Hmm. Um, I think you tracksuits now. You're you got me into tracksuits. I think we're gonna be a couple tracksuit guys. Once I get my tracksuit, I think we're gonna take a picture together. But yeah, it'll be fun. It's two great, two great book podcasters. That's what you do when you don't. There's a reason mafiosos, mm. the unemployed, and uh, general. Uh, uh, ne'er-do-wells roustabouts wear tracksuits is because yeah. when you don't have a nine to five and yeah. you can dress comfortably 24 7 they're very comfortable and so you wind up you wind up just just wearing them like so it. there's a reason it's a stereotype i like it hey real quick yeah real quick peter what do we pride ourselves on book wise priding ourselves book wise um I don't think we have anything we pride. What are you? This is a trick question. Try to buy, try to buy our books local. Try to buy our books local. Right. Yeah. You know, this is not from big chains. I'm looking. I need to buy Sutri. 
Yeah. And I've been looking some of Bizarre Bazaar and some other local bookstores don't have it. You can order it. I was like, let me order it from Amazon. But I was like, you know what? No, I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually been in touch with some used bookstores. McCarthy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go through there. But I've been talking to him about, uh, you know, various, you know, we have we have bookmarks and mugs and whatnot. Yeah. You know, setting up distribution deals. I guess we both work in shit. There is a, there is a place in Windsor relatively yeah. new called words of Windsor. Words of Windsor. Okay. And I was in there. I was talking to the owner. His name is Sam. We love the lady is not Sam Ernst. Okay. We people named Sam. We kind of gravitate to, uh, she owns it. It is really cool. It's I'm really nice. Up. Ooh, it's a new it's it's been around a year or two i think she said yeah. but it's very nice she has her own categorization system which i love it's Ooh. not your typical thing she kind of set it up to where it kind of it, it makes sense when you uh it is right off if you're familiar windsor is right off main street in between sixth and seventh um it's it's a really cool place. I recommend. You know what you can you do over there. You're in Northern Colorado. Words of Windsor is, is also a part of Bookshop.org. Yep. So you can actually buy your books online through them, and mm-hmm. they get a, they get a p- portion of that, or you can just shop on their website. Um, but I highly I've done that before. You ever, so it's so Words of Windsor, <laughs> books and gifts. So I like this. I'm glad you did this, Matt, because I had some news and it was going to be about where we used to work together. And that's big box store bookstores, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little, little Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Saw some news recently. Um, they're actually doing better. Mm-hmm. They're going to yeah. open 30 new stores this year. Is mm-hmm. that surprising to you? No, well, I had heard a couple months ago that they kind of got around to having more books. Because when we were there and we kind of got fed up because they were transitioning to games and puzzles and they had the CEO at the time was being very controlled, like hands-on. They had every little end cap, every table had to be situated a certain way. And it was absurd because you couldn't make it look nice. Every book had to be in a certain place. And so the tables would look weird because you couldn't rearrange it. So it was pyramided properly because everything had to be in its place. So things looked goofy. Anyway, there was many things like that, but I heard they kind of back off. I was in a local one within the last six months. And I was surprised by how much I liked their, their layout. They changed their layout. I think because of COVID, they changed some of their, how they did business and how they organized their stores. And I was like, oh, this looks much better than what I remember it looking. And then I was reading the article and they said they're trying to the layout to be more like a uh, an independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as big all the time. They can go into like smaller. And it, actually, one of the stores you worked at up in uh, Wyoming that closed, they're actually going to reopen this year in a different hmm. location. Oh. So that's some news for you. But Interesting. Hey. I, I well, fully support the, the local shopping, the local. Yeah, I was going to say that is it's good that the big one is embracing books 
again. But they're not carrying our bookmarks. Words of Windsor, Words you're in Colorado and you go there, you can pick up for free one of our bookmarks. Oh, I should say that was one of the things Sam was very emphatic about. Yes. She said, that if you go into your local bookstore and they don't have a certain book, we can order it. Don't just turn around and be like, oh, oops, and walk away. Yeah, that's um, a very good point. She's very emphatic to the point where you're like, oh, that happens a lot, doesn't it? So they will order it for you. Um, one more. There's a place called Dog-Eared Books. I like They're that. out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. But they're also carrying our bookmarks. Oh, look at that. Look at you. And they are online. They have a store. They have a. If you're in North Carolina, they have some mostly online. Okay. Um, they have women owned and run. Like they uh, gently use books. So, if you need to order a book, you don't necessarily need to go to the big Bezos place. You can go to Words of Windsor or Dog Eared Books. They'll send them to you we'll ship them right to you they'll slip one of our they'll slip one of our there will be books bookmarks in there whether you want it or not it's my little plug for you know, like shop local. you know shop, shop, shop local local shop you, can, you don't have to be from north carolina or windsor to you know to order local books i like that acknowledge what's going on i think we do um this has never happened before i mean we're a popular podcast we're over 100 episodes we're on night two of the recording yeah as we we were uh recording the, the first part of the episode our zoom call the connection got weak we started to freeze on each other and and we had to press pause on the whole operation Matt, is that a bad omen for 2023? No, no. Uh, I actually think we're lucky it hasn't happened before. I agree. I agree. You know, I and I hear like horror stories about, you know, some like smaller podcast lands, like a big interview, and then the they lose the audio file mm. in the editing process. So you hear things. So it could be a lot worse than just having to record the second half. I started, I, my back started to sweat now that you've put that out there. Is that this is. I'm just saying this is fun. This, this is, is just night two. Night Can you two, imagine man. we land like Neil Gaiman yeah. for like a big interview and then we lose the audio? I'd probably just drive around town just crying. That would, yeah, that, that would be terrible. I, this I, I'd like, pick you up. I'd be like, what just happened? Oh, you lost the lost the Neil Gaiman. Lost the Gaiman. Ben Lerner was on our episode. We lost Ben Lerner. Dang it. Heartbreak. Well, where were we left off last night? We're going to do nominations for January. And then at the end, we're going to do a discussion on Drive Your Plow over the Bones of the Dead, which will contain spoilers. So, And I said this last night, but I don't know if it's going to get cut. It's very important. I loved this book. Okay. It is one of my favorites that I've read this year. And for the podcast, it's a great book. And there is a like a twist spoiler and because I'm recommending that everybody listening to this read Drive Your Plow of the Bones of the Dead, we're restructuring the whole thing 
so we can have a clear demarcation of spoilers. And I really do want you, the listener, to stop there. If you haven't read the book, just stop. Yeah. It's a really our, good book. Our metrics will be screwy. Spotify will tell us that people only listen to 75% of the episode, but that's good. That's, that's good. good. That's anyway. Uh, let's dive into our nominations. Um, I was talking last night how I feel like I have a nomination that you're going to pick. I'm usually not this confident in my selections, but I feel confident. I actually like all three of my selections. I think, I think I've, I'm, I'm going to game the system this year. I'm going to pick books. I think you're going to like, yeah, you know, that's, gonna, like, that's what I do every month. I just, I mean, it took me two <laughs> years to realize that, but yeah, that's I think I, that's what I'm going to do. 2023 is pick books. I think you're going to like. Taking it up a notch. Yeah. Um, I will say there's no Gorv at all, so I didn't go with the lowest common denominator. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to save that for a little bit later. Uh, but I, I have a strong three selections here, Matt, and I feel confident. All right. I had I had three. I threw yeah. a fourth one in there because it's thematically – it's a loose theme. You'll, you'll see. I think there's one or two that might tempt you, but it, it depends on what you're, you're doing. Okay. Well, let's, let's see. All right. I'm going to have you go first. Okay. All right. So let's see. This one is, I think, two years ago now. Two Januarys ago, we did I, Claudius. Oh, okay. Yes, there yes. is a sequel Ooh. called, I, I always thought it was uh, Claudius the God, but it's, the official title is Claudius the God and his wife, Messalina. Really? I thought it was Claudius the God as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Goodreads has it as Claudius the God and his wife, Miss Alina. It's just the follow-up. They left us, I believe the last one ended with him becoming emperor. He was emperor for 13 years, and this is presumably still the first person chronicle of his time as emperor. Claudius, uh, I, Claudius, uh, was one of the bigger surprises I've had on the two years of the podcast so far. Um, You liked it, right? I really liked it. it. Going in as not a fan of sort of roman history or um kind of that setting for no real particular reason other than i didn't really know the history behind it i didn't know all the characters but i thoroughly enjoyed that claudius yeah that's a strong nomination claudius the god and his wife messalina i'm gonna just call it claudius the god i think so okay um Strong choice, Matt. Strong choice. Right. I almost picked that up at a, at a bookstore a, a couple months ago. Yeah. I almost picked it up with the intention of nominating it. And it's funny that you did nice. just yeah. that. It's almost like we uh, know each other. But um, I don't have anything else to say. Um, other than it's a good selection. I'm a little worried now. Thanks. See? See? Yeah. Okay. Let me go to my first nomination. This is... I. You might own this book. I might have made you buy this book. Um, it The blurbs are what drew me to this book. Uh, I read this book uh, a few, I want to say, I think the book came out about 10 years ago, a little bit more. I read the book. Is it that Irish guy? It's an Irish guy. Uh, uh, Ryan Zamorano? No, different Irish guy. Started off his career as a short story writer. And I believe this is his first novel that came out in 2012. And the blurbs are full of praise. One of the blurbs I think you're going to like 
And this is from the Irish Times. It says the plots and the characters from Mad Max and Gangs of New York and the story songs of Bob Dylan and Tom Waits, atmosphere from Sergio Leone and Tarantino and Jack Yeats paintings, mechanics from The Wire and Cormac McCarthy, a compelling creation, the Irish Times. I like all of those things. Yes. All of those 10 things the blurb mentioned. The yeah. book is The City of Bohane by Kevin Barry. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't own it heard of it you've heard of it need to read it it's been on my tbr for 10 years. it is a fun read it is a unique read it has the language of uh what you would find from an irish writer i don't know how better describe it but i'm a fan of irish writers um it feels thematic it feels not thematic but like a it would fit in a tv I don't know, like the comparisons to The Wire, I understood. I didn't understand when I was when I read the blurbs, but when I finished the book, I was like, I kind of get what they're saying. There's gangs, there's it, there's a lot going on. It's a it's a fun book. I think it's a book that you should read. Okay. I like I do like stuff like that. Um, yeah, like this the canvas, the sprawling. It's a little. It's city. like a gritty underworld. Is it uh, Dublin? I think so. I think that's it, it, what it's based off of. Oh, is it one of those that, like doesn't say? It's just yeah. Um, it, well, the city is Bohane, B O H A N E. Is that a real city, or is it like in Batman how Gotham is never said to be New I York? I think it's more like that. So it's more like myth. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, I don't want to. It's got some the the blurb on the the. Dust Jacket says in 300 fiendish pages, City of Bohank combines Celtic myth and the Caribbean beat, fado and film, graphic novel cool, and all the ripe inheritance of Irish literature to create something hilarious, strange, beautiful, and startlingly new. That is a good nomination. Is that the one you thought I was going to pick? No. Oh, really? Because that's pretty good. Okay. Huh. This is going to be a good month. I can okay. tell. I'm writing your your next nomination. Where do I want to go from here? Let's do. This is a good one. This one is a follow up to our book from June of last year, you July. To, you have to remind me. It was a Canadian gentleman. We heard of and not read. Oh. I wanted to keep going. It was the first one was so good. I wanted to keep going. But we had too much on our plate. Oh, this is—is is this the Manticore? The man, the Manticore. Manticore. Robertson Davies, follow up to the Fifth Business, which I think we both really enjoyed. Oh, that's one of the it best is, books we read last year. I yeah, would say. yeah. It uh, and so I gather this one is the first one. Uh, our it's our narrator from the first one is kind of a minor character in this one. You remember Percy Stanton, the rich industrialist who dies mysteriously mm -hmm. at the end of the business? His son is the main character in this one, and his son is in therapy because he had a messed up life. And I guess that is the the gist of this. Well, isn't Percy Stanton the person who threw the rock? Percy Stanton threw the snowball, snowball which the spoilers, we oh, yeah. sorry, had a rock in it, and he dies mysteriously. And his friend was the main character, the engine of the first one. Okay. Which, and it turns out his friend was the fifth business in a theater production to get yeah. things going. And the second one shifts perspective 
to Percy Stone's kid who's in therapy and we go from there. I like it. That's a very good uh, this is gonna be a tough month. I can just see and we need to finish the trilogy at some point. I, I agree. I agree. Keep it fresh in our minds. Um all right. My next nomination. This is an author recently passed away within the last couple of years. It's been always been considered like one of the great American authors. I think it's an author that if you're like, I'm, I'm going to make up a conversation. Okay. A scenario. If someone's like, Oh, my Cormac McCarthy is my favorite author. Some other person would be like, Oh, have you read this author? Oh, I gotcha. Does that, does that make sense? Like, Hey, I understand Cormac McCarthy is your jam, but actually you should try this author out. Oh, I'm blanking. I'm oh, not, I'm not going to say they're like completely similar, but they're similar in their contempt. Are they contemporaries? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I've read this. The book I'm going to nominate is basically a novella. It's a very short work. One of his last works. It might've been his last work. Jim Harrison. No. Um, he wrote a great book about the Vietnam War. Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson. There you go. And that is the what that's the first book I read of his. And that's kind of I read a review. Oh. I still remember this vividly. I don't rem- read the New York Times book review, but I think I was at my parents, they had it. And there was a review for Tree of Smoke by Dennis Johnson. And, and I remember like the first line vaguely being like, This is the great American Vietnam novel. Read the book, loved it. I read, I want to say Fiscadero next. Kind of strange, not really my type of book. Wasn't sure if I liked. Um, I think I read, and then he's also well known for Jesus's son. Mm-hmm. Um, a collection, I believe it's short stories. I read that too, but I, that was probably 10 years ago. Um, and then this book that I'm nominating is uh, Train Dreams by Dennis oh. Johnson. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the last book he published. Don't take that to like the bank. Okay. Or, but it's a short novella. I don't remember it, but I just thought, I, I feel like you're curious about Dennis Johnson. I kind of want to revisit Dennis Johnson yeah. a little bit. Um, this book, I think, won the National Book Award. Um, let me just find out when this is published. Um, 2011. Okay. It was originally published in 2002 in the Paris Review. And then I think it was re- kind of if you reworked it into this novella. I gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't remember it. Um, it takes place in the West. There's kind of a uh, Robert Greener is our protagonist in the book. I, I don't really want like Dennis Johnson. You're kind of going in, in for the atmosphere and writing uh, of his work. But you have not read Dennis Johnson, correct? No. No, I've been circling Tree of Smoke for a while. But. I remember you checked out Tree of Smoke once. On audio, yeah. Okay. It's a, I think at some point we should tackle Tree of Smoke. Yeah. Um, but that's a longer work and this is, I was, that's more of a seasonal book, I feel like. Yeah. For big. us and uh, Train Dreams, I feel like novella, maybe reset the palette, reset our time frame. That's my, that's my nomination. So. Okay. Yeah. Pretty strong so far. If. I would agree. Four strong selections. Give me your third. Give me your third and fourth selection. 
Oh, okay. You want to do it? Now. I want to end on my. Okay. 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 So this one was the fourth one that I kind of was like, yeah, hey, I'll nominate okay. this too because it fits thematically. But I'm going to save my the one you like to the end. Uh, this one is Ripley Underground by Patricia. Okay. Second one in the Talent of Mr. Ripley series. It is the first one uh, is the best Ripley, but this one's pretty good. It's six years after the events of Talon, Mr. Ripley. Ripley is married, living in France, kind of the life that he wants. And Ripley, he's the kind of guy, he like will kill people who get in his way, but he doesn't want to. Okay. He's not like a serial killer, but and he's kind of involved in an art forgery ring. And then somebody kind of stumbles onto a secret and he's got to kind of clean up, clean up the mess to protect his, uh, the life that he's living that he really enjoys in France. It's pretty fun. Good little thriller. Why haven't they made more Ripley movies? They made the third one called Ripley's Game into a movie with John Malkovich as Ripley. Because he ages throughout the he gets older. I didn't know that. So okay. You could almost make this into a TV show too. I think you could, and it'd be pretty good. I'd watch it. You can almost do the thing where they add on storyline to the like mm. canonical stuff. Yeah. But this one, Mr. Ripley is a fantastic book. Yeah. I and see your movie. theme now. I you see it, they're, fo- they're all follow-ups. Follow-ups to very smart of you. Very smart of you. Right. Do you let me go because I feel like I cheated the rules by making you go. Either way. Either um I was looking at this. This author is this is not. Don Powell is my last one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was actually looking at her works and I think I was, the one I'm going to nominate is a book I own. That's kind of why I'm nominating it, but I'm kind of drawn and I'm curious about your, if you've read the sort of, she has the New York novels and then she has the Ohio novels, right? Yeah. I was kind of reading about the Ohio ones and they seem pretty interesting. They seem a little bit harder to get unless you bought the kind of library of America collection mm-hmm. i don't have that so i won't nominate an ohio one this one is one of her new york ones it's a time to be born published uh 1942 and i think it takes place right before war world war ii in new york um and i read the first paragraph and i was like oh man don pal so good <laughs> that might be yeah yeah you're right i have that one too i actually have uh my favorite of the Ohio novels that I've read uh-huh. uh, called My Home is Far Away. I was looking at that one. Very good book. My Home is it's Far Away. It's a little different. It, it's still funny. It's less. I like her New York novels. They're kind of sharp and it's like the Wicked Pavilion. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, okay. And I haven't read that. You haven't, time read to be born. I haven't read Time to Be Born. Hmm satire of new yorkers talking to each other for various selfish ends they're just fun it's like a really observant sharp funny they're they're fun but they're so good she's a good writer too yeah it's like you should teach this in college right it's a crazy it really is she is baffling she's not more well known i we said in the episode we did on her on the wicked pavilion she deserves hemingway's reputation 
as a great writer. They have t- different styles, but she deserves to be as famous. Some of her work is like out of print. If, yeah, and it, but if you're picking the best writer of that generation, it may well be her. And she just got back into print in the 2000s. Yeah, the, I have these editions that if you're in America, you kind of see them. If you see a Dom Powell book, it's I'm going to show Matt here. You, you know what I'm talking about? The sort of the, it, it's the, not the best art. The like typeface is a little strange. They don't. The budget yeah, they, wasn't. Uh, I feel like they could do a little bit of a uh, um, kind of a re redoing of the artwork and stuff. Or well, we could make that our mission for this podcast is to kind of bring her back. We're gonna do for Don Powell what the Red Scare podcast did for Christopher Lash. Just okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt, give me your last one. All right. Uh, this one I thought you might go for had you not done the Don Powell. Okay. But this is another, this is another fun, fun follow-up. Any guesses? Uh, See, I always thought in my head it was Queen's Gambit. It's called Queen's Play. And it's the second in the Lyman Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, so. I picked up some Dorothy Dunnett six months ago, a year. I don't know when. And I think I have that one. I know she has another series. The Nicolo uh, series. Yes. And I know I picked up the first one in that, but I wasn't sure if I picked up the second one. That's very strong. It's a Queen's very- play. Cause I guess they're all chess. I think the titles of the Lyman Chronicles are all chess themed. Gotcha. And I guess Francis Francis Lyman, who we now know is basically a good guy, he gets sent to France, mm. agent of Mary Queen of Scots, I believe. Okay, lots of intrigue, lots of you know. Gosh, okay, daring dude. We got a problem here, Matt. We do. You want to do all seven? <laughs> uh, first time ever. We just select all the because every single book. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I want to read on the podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we kind of need to. <sighs> so, well, yeah. All right. Of Let's yours, I, yeah, I like Dennis Johnson, and that would be a nice little short reset. Mm. But I really, of yours, I like City of Bohane and the Don Powell. Okay. Either one of those are. I would agree. Those are my two favorites that I have. Um, out of yours, the Mandelcore. I really want to go back into that series just because I was so impressed by the first book. Uh, my home. I I wrote down my home is far away just because I, I feel like that should be added to the conversation. Queen's play strong. I don't know. I could be Ripley's Underground. It could be swayed in many different directions here. But I feel I don't we talked about Don Powell last was that August, October, that we we're gonna pick it after the um yeah, we made it a resolution to do more of her. I don't I think technically we didn't do any last year, it was the year before. I think off air we talked about hey, let's do this after um what's his face? Oh yeah, yeah, and we did yeah, yeah, no, that's right, last summer, and we yeah, we didn't do it. Hmm. Do you want to do Don Powell? Do, sir, do we add two? Do you have a time to be born? Yeah. Okay. 
What if we did? Are we doing two? <laughs> okay. Hey, we can let's start the year on fire here. I would. What if we do the Robertson Davies and then we do a Don Powell? Okay. I almost feel like we should finish Robertson Davies this year. Okay. Is Get that possible? The Deptford trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because I feel like we're going to, we'll be the podcast that kind of brings Don Powell back into the literary zeitgeist. And we can finish the Deptford trilogy. I keep saying Manticore. It's Manticore. Manti, Manti. It's Manti. a mythical beast. My version doesn't have this, but I'm looking at the Penguin Classic version, and it's a kind of weird looking lion. I have a, like an old, I want to say 80s version of it. About a, I have a three in one uh, whole trilogy in one edition. So Okay. So we have that, and then we have A Time to Be Born by Don Powell. Is there, a, pre- is there a preference on which one we, we should read first, or just go by the... Just go. Okay. Just go. Like we'll get it. to it. We've done this before. We can. Yeah. I mean, we're. Yeah. We can do it. We're good. Let me let me pull up my Google Doc and add this to my TBR. Our TBR that's growing, but. Uh, With the understanding, we'll we'll do the Dorothy Dunnett at some point. Dorothy we'll Dunnett do- has a strong following, which we found out. I don't know if listeners yeah. know this, but when we posted the Dorothy Dunnett stuff, we got like some Dorothy Dunnett, like like society type stuff it was supportive but they yeah they came out i didn't know that and that's great that i that's very fun to learn so we'll do queen's play at some point i i yeah and then, we'll do all we'll do the yeah okay i'm adding these to the tbr map very good i like that um do you want to transition over to our I don't even know what month this was from. This was my nomination. This is me bringing my the Eastern literature into the realm of Matt and the podcast in general. Um, and that would be Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, one of my favorite titles ever for a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a fantastic title. And the book lives up to, and I, I to be honest, hearing you praise it this highly, uh, it kind of tickles me to hear you. Uh, because I had read Flights first, uh, which is, a, I think, the she's kind of over the last five years is when I've noticed her Olga Tokarczuk's books come in kind of like in print in America. Um, I think I might have, there might have been some earlier editions that were kind of hard to find, but she's kind of break uh, broken through. She's won the Nobel Prize. I think she won the Man Booker. Didn't this win the Man Booker and something else won the Nobel? Well, I think the Nobel Prize is like a collective, like your your collective. Oh, I got you. Um, I have the Books of Jacob, which is like a thousand page book. Yeah. That's a book that just uh, got translated into English. So she's kind of making a breakthrough into. uh, So these are books that you could find at your local used bookstore. yeah. So, what were your what were you expecting when you went came, went into this book, and what kind of ended up? What did you end up loving about the book? I was expecting good writing, but maybe serious, drab, uh, uh, 
maybe it's unfair to Eastern Europe, but I, I think of Eastern European as just very sad stuff. And I, it, I believe it was September. It was last year was the month I decided to be like, fine, let's just read your sad, sad European stuff. And, this is a- and frankly, this was brilliantly written and hilarious. I loved it. It's funny. Their main character is very quirky. I, I it was fantastic. It's a it, I don't know. It, it was just it was great. It was everything good I expected, and it was actually not that depressing. To me, it felt like, and we can kind of go into the plot in a, in a second, but sort of the it, she has a, with this with this book and with flights the two books i read there's a, like a strangeness to her storytelling like it's a little off with some of the, the decisions yeah. she makes and some of the, like how the plot develops and stuff but it all feels very like like it, it this is her like singular voice like this is her um and it's a very strong and compelling like she has a command over her writing that I appreciate. Um, and it kind of, she goes between genres, I feel like. Because this, you could kind of consider this book like a murder mystery in a way. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of like philosophical passages about like, what does life mean? And what do like, uh, you know, the meaning of a community or t- time and place or. Ethical considerations, all that stuff that makes uh, a work quote-unquote serious literature yeah but if you notice uh, you can do both this book does both it, it there's entertaining it keeps you going and you can also drop into some philosophical i mean uh that's what half of what made the fifth business so good yeah it's our narrator muses on that it's in the guy gabriel k that we're reading he can kind of drop into some philosophy philosophical stuff and you're right about her tone being a little off and I guess it kind of is her writing style, but the narrator in this, it's, it's all from our, our first person. Yeah. Uh, the narrator, a woman lives in a small village and, you know, her neighbors start dropping dead. Mm-hmm. And she's a little off in a quirky way that I actually really, did you find it as funny as I did? It was, it's a funny book. She's an amusing character, like a cranky old lady. Yeah, it's like because I think that kind of the strangeness is the decisions that make it feel real. Like she's very into horoscopes. That's an important part of like how she tells the story, right? Yeah. Um, she has a there's some like the kind of where I guess it gets a little bit more into like I guess you could read into deeper is like Blake and translating Blake and sort of the friend that she has. Kind of yeah, like yeah. almost like a literary sort of like deeper meaning, and that's kind of where it gets a little bit more into like the serious literature stuff. Um, yeah, there's, she's there's musing. A... Oh, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, she's musing on the purpose of life, really into astrology. She's against hunting. Um, there's she... a little bit of like the neat, like the it could be a what's the term I'm looking for, like a anti like almost like a vegan novel <laughs> some weird way, yeah, like a, like yeah. anti-violence so, to animals and it's one of the, the the funnier things was she's a vegetarian and her neighbors 
the people who start dying in the town were all hunters and she writes letters to the police. She's convinced that it's the animals taking revenge on the hunters. And she like goes to the police and writes them letters about how it's the animals doing it. And they're actually really funny. Her letters to the police d- d- detailing the astrological you know the the guy who died his you know <clears throat> his the seventh house was in saturn rising or whatever it is and she's very seriously writing the police about this it's like have you ever considered that it's the deer taking revenge it's pretty funny because it's it's like fairy tale myth kind of but i don't there's an element to this novel i don't know like we haven't talked about it together but i love the way she sets up the setting and then the characters within that setting they all match does that make sense so it's like a desolate place in poland where there's like people that come to like that's like summer home but there's people there that who live there constantly or whatever and the way she describes the characters in the book match the setting so well and it's this i think that's where like the depth comes from is how the two match up well together because i think a lot of places like when you're reading about you know, literature from a foreign country, you get a sense of like who the people are or like how the country is the culture or what, whatever. And I, yeah. I, I really appreciate that in a book. And I think she does that like fantastically, like mm-hmm. a scene where there's characters like at like a funeral and she describes the, the kind of the, the not stoic, but sort of the guys, the with mustaches and she's kind of, they're kind of eating sandwiches or whatever. It's just, she yeah. can find the details that make, the flush out a story that not all all authors can do and she's done it like it's just great writing it's just like perfect imagery in this book so when they go mushroom hunting yeah that type of thing but i i I like i just like this how she sets up the setting within the with through the plot line like the setting i think bolsters the story quite a bit in my in my opinion oh yeah it's and it's the perfect setting for what she's doing with the murder mystery parts of it you know a small little town in the in the mountains it gets really tough to drive around in the winter uh she is like you know she's kind of a a cranky she's not really lonely but an eccentric quirky kind of halfway cranky older woman who teaches english to school children part-time and then she kind of because a lot of people have summer homes there because it's in the Mm -hmm. mountains and in the winter, she'll go and kind of take care of everybody's house to make sure it doesn't get too messy. Well, and that gives, that's a good, just story-wise, it's a good character because she has a reason to move around. Mm-hmm. She can describe the village and she can be, you know, she she can be present for all the murders and stuff and be around because she, she, she has a reason to travel. And so it, it's an interesting character to tell the story from. And I think it works perfectly. I really enjoyed the tone, the narration. Oh, yeah. All the stuff. I was getting in when I was thinking about the book, and I might have been like going off, like, these are some, like, I'm trying to write an English literature page, the like, paper at the, like, the 11th hour here. But I was thinking how she, because part of the story is you're kind of not told everything right away, right? You're kind of wondering, like, what? She it keeps knows. like yeah. referencing things. And there's an element of regret or sadness about not, like we said before, we're going to spoil this. Um, Not yet, though. There's a loss to stuff and people die in ways. um, 
that made me think about where this book takes place in the history of Poland and sort of Eastern Europe, where I was trying to think of like, I think this book resonates in a way that we might not re- realize where it's in the history of this area, people died without sort of anyone remembering like where they were buried or you just lost people, right? People just vanished. You never saw them again. And I got, I was reading through some of the passages that I was like underlined and I got that sense of loss for some, some of the book where it's just like, we're not accustomed to that. And like, that's not like a common theme. I think about maybe it is in the world, but it's just like, you lose a person and there's no like ceremony or there's no like final like resting place. And it's just like, and the main character in this book, I think has that. And I might be reading way too much into this, but that was something that I caught through my notes is like, there's this, the sadness to her loss about, and, and we'll get into like the spoilers, but does that, does that make any, like, did that, can you see, I see that what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel so like, much. Yeah. 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 So much senseless loss that it almost becomes not like a cultural thing, but it happens all the time. And, and so what, they get used to it. And it. And I think that what she's like grieving is not like a, a person or something. It's, it's her dogs, which is what we kind yeah, of. Yeah. It's, to, she talks about how her little, she misses her girls, her little yeah. girl. You're like, oh man, is this, oh, it's her dogs. But she's still very, and she empathizes with animals a lot. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Do you want to get into oh, she does. Almost. I got a couple quotes okay. I wanted to do that are spoiler safe. Um, but no, you're right, because I'm thinking about the, um, in the boiler room, where she kind of sees her, her mom. Mm-hmm. You know, her mom's dead, but she kind of, it's not quite visions. It's almost like dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. I was just on the theme you were talking about earlier. I'm trying to find the passage here, but it's just this. And I don't think she never like will come out and say she'll come up and like discuss a topic, but it's not, she's a delicate enough writer that it's not like heavy handed in a lot of ways. It's, it kind of fits in with the plot of the story where she kind of goes on these digressions or whatever. But I just got the sense about like, I think the, the main character of some of their, anger or loss comes from that fact of something being taken away from them and i just i was thinking about we can read it like one way but if we were maybe we grew up in this culture and we learned about i read a book a couple years ago about like polish officers in world war ii that were just taken by the soviets and you don't hear about it and like it was like twelve thousand. they just disappeared they just died and never talked about so this is like the culture of Eastern Europe, it's just like a lot of death that the numbers kind of are hard to understand. And this book doesn't discuss that in like an overt way. And I was just in my English major brain thinking like, I wonder if I could write a paper where this is the background to all these characters, right? Like this is their setting that it's not explicitly stated, but it's written in Polish. So Polish reader would kind of, think about that maybe i don't know this is kind of senseless random deaths happening yes that's yeah that's good i hadn't thought of that but i like it okay i'll end my english uh lit major paper writing segment let's get on let's get on some quotes matt 
I have four full pages of quotes that I like from this. Okay. Let's go I through. Read them all. Let me give you one that really hit home for me. She's talking about I think some of the men in the village. Uh, here we go. It's hard work talking to some people, most often males. I have a theory about it. With age, many men come down with testosterone autism, the symptoms of which are a gradual decline in social intelligence and capacity for interpersonal communication, as well as a reduced ability for, to formulate thoughts. The person beset by this ailment becomes uh, taciturn and appears to be lost in contemplation. He develops an interest in various tools and machinery, and he's drawn to the Second World War and the biographies of famous people mainly politicians and villains. And as somebody who has just read two different World War II books about the generals and finished uh, William Manchester's biography of Douglas MacArthur, yeah, that really hit home. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, testosterone, autism. That, oh, yeah. I could see yeah. when you were reading it, the humor, and but also like the truth in it all. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And that's part of like the, her character. She notices things about people. Um, yeah, I really like that. Um, this is funny. I had a little note that said Woodhousian, like almost PG Woodhouse. Okay. This is when she's talking, I think, to the police commandant. Uh, he stood up again decisively, and I noticed that his leather uniform belt was too short to encompass his enormous belly. Out of shame, his belly was trying to hide itself lower down in the uncomfortable, forgotten vicinity of his genitals. Now, P.G. Woodhouse would never talk about genitals, but personifying the belly as drooping down, that was really funny. And I, I, There's all sorts of stuff like that scattered throughout. Her, her descriptions of people are like that. You know, she rarely uses people's names. They're all nicknames. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people, the, her friend from the magazine shop, Good News, I don't think she, you don't know her real name. Yeah. The character's yeah. name is just Good News. So you're in her head and she's got nicknames for everybody. Oddball. Nipplefoot. Um, and I was, when I was reading it, I was trying to, and I'll be honest, I didn't come up with like a satisfactory answer to why what's happening. I was like, I feel like I'm missing something here. Because yeah, it, it, like you said, most of the characters in this book, you don't really know her name. I mean, it's not like unusual for first person narrator to know her name. Um, I think it's what Jelena. Jelena did, and not people Jelena. get her last and, name wrong all the time. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was actually wondering if that was a pun in Polish. Oh, people yeah. constantly pronounce it one way, and she has to correct them. No, it's and it's like to an to my English eyes, I didn't. That's Dzeszeki, and then what a, it, yeah it looks all slavic i can't make heads or tails of it but that was a common theme people always got it wrong and she had to correct it yeah no it's um yeah the observations are very very enjoyable and enjoyable uh, sometimes they're on point and you and you you, you felt they were attacking you maybe a little bit the testosterone <laughs> autism really hit home um, that is true Start getting into World War II and biographies hey. of famous people. Like, yep. Yeah. Um, where do you want to go next, Matt, in this book? Do you want to have this be the spoiler demarcation? Well, I say yeah. let's do that. 
Okay. If you haven't read it, hopefully we've made you want to read it. Definitely. And I'm, I'm serious now. Stop here. Yeah. Stop here. There's a pretty big spoiler. It, like we say, it's a murder mystery. And when you find out who it is, I won't even say it's out of nowhere. It was a possibility in my head, but it just landed really well. So, Peter, I, and when you edit it, like mark it pretty solid here. And seriously, stop listening. If you haven't read it, go read it. And then just come back when you're done and then pick up here. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. We're back and you've read it. So, so, so she's the killer. Yeah. I thought she landed it so well when you find out. It was like, oh, I was everything. Prepared. I was prepared to be like, I'm going to believe these animals are killing these people. I was, I had three possibilities <laughs> in my head of what it was, right? Yeah. So everybody's dropping dead. There's like four or five people drop dead. And so I was thinking, oh, this is a, a weird, interesting enough novel where it could be it, it, like magical realism. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, it really is the animals taking revenge. That would have worked. It was in my head, okay, it might be her. And she's an unreliable narrator. Or it could be somebody else. Um, like one of the, the police co- uh, commissioner was corrupt. One of the guys, the innered guy who dies was a like a mafioso. Mm-hmm. So it could have just been somebody else and she's just narrating the goings on. But that was, those were kind of the three that were in my head. And then towards the end, I, I, I thought Toga Cruz, is that how you say her name? She, Tukar- she. Tukarchuk. Tukarchuk. Is that how you say it? Oh man, I'm way off. She she nailed the, the the exposition of what's really going on so perfectly. She did it something was, very smart, and I'm surprised I caught myself. There's a picture that she picks up in the very beginning of the book. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, what? and it's like vaguely mentioned, and it's like it seems important, right? Yep. And you don't find out what it is. There's a chapter at the very end called the photograph. And I was like, oh crap. I remember yeah. like being like, huh, maybe I should like. Remember that there was this photograph that seemed important, but you don't really know what it's about. Um, and in the photograph, it is the men that end up dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the pictures, the, those guys with all these like corpses of animals, hares, uh, one beside you, two boars, one large, one small, some deer, and then a lot of pheasants and ducks, mallards and teals. Um, and then it's... Most importantly, her her dogs. Her right? dogs. They killed yeah. her dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Lay three dead dogs, neatly laid out like trophies. One of them was unfamiliar to me. The two, the other two, were, were my little girls, and I was like, oh, "Okay." Yep. So there's motive. There's yeah. Yep. And the first person who dies in this book is called Bigfoot. And on the next page, it goes, "Bigfoot knew about it from the very start." And he must have been amused by my distress because she didn't know this is what actually happened to her dogs. He saw me calling them in desperation and walking all the way to the other side of the border. And he never said a word. And I, that see those sections in this book make me think that this may be like in reference to people. Oh, something. Else. You know what I mean? Like, people yeah, no, in like World War II, somebody who ratted out your family. Yeah. 
the Gestapo, and then uh, I'm not saying that's what the that's the thing. Like, I think it's a reading you can put on this book. That's interesting. I just thought it was kind of touching, and her anger was halfway justified. Like knowing her neighbor killed her dogs, knew they were her dogs, and then is watching her kind of freak out, calling for him, knowing that he yeah. killed him. It's yeah, yeah. It's well done. Yeah. Well done, little twist. So I guess I was going to ask this later. I'll do it now. Was she, is she halfway justified? She did murder four people, but they did kill her dogs. <laughs> um, I mean, I like the way, I don't know if I can answer that. I like the way that her like friends are like, hey, we know you did this at the very end. They, like, fig- they figure, I yeah. love how the police can't, the police never pe- don't piece it together till like the very end your yeah. friends get it first i think the book goes in a way that like her justice for the, like the death of her dogs makes sense in like the morality of the area like i don't know like it you don't feel like she's getting away with i don't know it's it's yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I, I thought of it that way because I was like kind of rooting for her to be like, I hope you get away from it. Get, you know. Oh, me too. That f- second to last scene when the cops show up to her house and she hides in the boiler room, mm-hmm. were you rooting for her to get away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. I was like, okay, yeah, I hope they don't catch her. Well, and we as a cult, an American culture, the John Wick movies do like great yeah. they're on the third or fourth and that's basically a guy can go on a killing spree and we root for him because they killed his dog yeah I, I don't know it's i guess it's partly like the people that killed her dogs and all these animals were kind of laughing at her and didn't respect her and there was like this i think there was this really there's like this right. long rage that she may have had for a while and like just yeah. a, kind of a breaking point it's sort of a novel about a breaking point of a person yeah. um and she didn't kill bigfoot the first murder no he actually choked and that's when the idea planted in his head like he choked on meat he had killed and so that's where she got the idea that the animals are taking revenge and she actually kind of talks herself into herself as being the agent of vengeance for the animals. So her theory that animals are taking revenge, she's talked herself into believing mm-hmm. kind of like how Edmund Dantes viewed himself as God's implement for revenge. She was like that only for the animals. A uh, clever murder weapon too, actually. Yeah. The chunk of ice in a bag. I mean, like when I was reading to to the murder, I, yeah, I was like, I know this this must be like a fairy tale story because I'm like, I think these animals just really killed these people. Like I was it like would have been like a magical realistic. I would have gone. Yeah, it felt magic. I think a lot of the book feels magical realism. Like realism in this book is kind of twisted in a way. It came back around to being plausible. You know, there's nothing really magical. The lady, our narrator, sees kind of her her dead mother and stuff in the boiler room but that's you know dreamlike visions mm-hmm. so there's nothing too crazy it, it it made me think of cultures where like deaths or like mysterious stuff and like these tall tales become like almost fact 
Like mm-hmm. Price was like, yeah, the, these deer killed this guy. And you're like, no, like, and you're like, no, it like, it literally happened no other, yeah. 50 years ago. These three deer, like the deer prints were in the snow, like, or whatever, put them down a well or whatever. I can see a legend springing up. In the so it, where the this book feels place. like yeah. the beginnings of legend, but based in you actually finding out the truth of these legends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the police do too, but she gets away to another town. So I could see that sort of legend springing up. And in 50 years, yeah, there's a legend at this place where the animals got revenge on her. Because the truth kind of gets replaced by the thing you'll remember. You'll remember, oh. And especially if there's, she, let's say she stays, she never gets caught. Yeah. She crosses the border to the Czech Republic. And yeah, a legend would totally spring up out of that. She's she almost, never gets caught and there's, no, there's nobody to pin it on. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's good. This but, came to my, she's almost Ripley. I I saw some some parallels there, like the murder, their murder, and you find out that they're murderers, but you still, like, you get their motives. Like, oh yeah, I kind of hope they get away. She's, it's she's a, got, she got a point. It's an engaging plot. Once you like it, it's very good. Like, yeah, yeah, it's she's very very good, very good writer. Um, I think I like this more than flights, and I definitely want to read. Gonna, um, I was going to ask, is Flights funny? Flights feels a little bit more in the philosophical. Um, not, when I say philosophical, I don't mean like almost like observations on life, yeah. right? Um, musings on certain things in life that are interesting. Yeah, I don't mean like the philo- that makes mm-hmm. it seem kind of dry and boring, but um, as far as plot wise, I think I like this more. It offers more. It's more of a, but I like flights too. But this was definitely, uh, I don't know. I, I want to, I think I have one of her earlier works near near me. And I think I may have mentioned it on the, I don't know where it is exactly right now, but because um, this book came out in 2009 in Poland. And I think it was translated in 2018. Yeah, it takes a while to translate. It takes a while. Um, yeah, by Antonio Antonia Lloyd Jones was the translator on my copy. She's a very good translator, too. I would guess, yeah, I don't seamless. Know. Yeah, uh, I, I hear, I gather a lot of the like Murakami, his translators are very good to the point where you don't even notice it, just seamless. Did you feel think, some Murakami yeah. in this? A little like some of the strangeness to the story, the dreamlike strangeness. I get, yeah, I guess so. I was just saying translators, I gather people say people who are bilingual mm-hmm. say they deserve as a lot a lot of credit too, because it's there's a reason it takes yeah. so long. And it's oh, yeah. it reads like serious, well written novels that a lot of the translators are in there. So well translated. There you go. Yeah. I did want to bring up real quick, once you know the twist and that she's the killer, there's a way to look at it that's kind of like oh, holy crap we've been in the mind of a serial killer this whole time <laughs> that and because of her letters to the police about astrology oh yeah you're right before i finished the book but i knew the twist and i went out to walk wesley and i was like oh man we've been in the mind of a serial killer this whole time she's writing taunting letters to the police the police oh, didn't think of it like that. her friends catch her she's got a bizarre justification but it makes sense to her 
Yeah, it's all true. Yeah. Like, oh my, yeah. So that was kind of that's a cool good thing to look at it, you know. See, I think this is the element of a great book is like you can kind of have yeah. fun with like what the meaning of it, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, and a lot of a uh, psychopath murderers type people, they love animals and hate people. Okay. Uh, our narrator doesn't use people's real names. She keeps them at a distance by giving them nicknames. So it's like an interesting from a police procedural point. It's like we've been in the mind of a serial killer the whole time and you didn't realize it until the end. It's like it's a very funny. I had not yeah. thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. The horoscope stuff makes more sense now. A serial killer. If you go like, like, oh, a serial killer would definitely be super like, into horoscopes. She, she did it and she's taunting them by coming off as the cranky old lady who they dismiss because the police dismiss her as an old crank because i really want this to be a movie i okay i was gonna bring up i think this would be a brilliant you know those little bbc oh yeah uh, Yeah. mini series like a two or three episode two or three 90 minute episodes and i would do it where the first episode and halfway through the second it's frame it give the music and the tone the feel of a quirky old lady miss marple's gonna solve the mystery right like a village drama and then the tone starts to shift halfway through and you drop the twist on them the whole time but i'd I'd frame it and even market it advertise it as uh get francis mcdormand the lady and then and then you gradually drop the hammer but i thought and it actually the the first part of the book kind of felt like one of those one of those pleasant BBC with the quirky protagonist. You know, like I, I would totally be down with that little mini series. Um, one of the scenes I liked, and I just flipped to it, is when she like confronts the priest. Yeah, yeah. And she goes up to him, and she goes, <laughs> "This is." I hope this is like the translation of this. I was like, holy, I underlined. I was like, uh, she walks up as he's giving this sermon about hunters and stuff. Like, he goes, um, hey, you get down from there. I said, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silence fell. And with satisfaction, I heard my voice echoing off the vault and aisles becoming stronger. No wonder, no, no wonder one could be carried away by one's own oration here. I'm talking to you. Can't you hear me? Get down. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. Yeah. And she calls the, the preacher out. Yeah. And then that's when she gets fired from yeah. her job as a teacher. Oh, and honestly, oh, some of the best writing in the book. So when you figure, when the twist drops, mm-hmm. it's actually the last sentence of the chapter before it's revealed. Um, there's a bird, like she had mentioned a bird before for at the very beginning a fire they're like fire starters birds who yeah burning seeds and intentionally start fires and then the the scene with the where she yells at the priest just happened and then she sees one of those birds fly away and above the church and it's like fire starter and it, for me at least i was like oh she's gonna light the church on fire yeah and then when the church is on fire, that's when it kind of falls into place. She does is not articulated yet, but that's when you kind of, as the reader, know, like, oh, it's been her the whole time. I kind of want to read the book again as her being a serial killer. I, think I was, oh, was going to say this would hold up in a year or two if we revisited it, how it would come up knowing everything. 
you know, it, it might be worth revisiting here in a bit. You know what? In a book, I think we've talked about revisiting just based on the twist is Piranesi by Suzanne Clark. I thought of that too. Like these two would bear reading again. They seem that. very like structurally like well thought out. Like yeah. you won't catch everything on the first time, right? Yeah, it's, you can't. Yeah, because yeah. you're not sure what you're looking for exactly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. No, that's that's a good that's a good call. Um, Olga Tokarczuk. I got I got an Eastern European writer for us, Matt. That's the you perfect. Loved it. Because you loved it. That's great. That's great. It's not what I feared at all. It was great. I'm glad we did it. I'm curious about the books of Jacob, um, flights, all that. It, she went she wrote, right. The one I think I have is called, let me look it up, Primeval and Other Times. And that was written uh, in 1996, translated in 2010. Um, there's one called House of Day, House of Night. Uh, there's one called Final Stories, Anna and the Tombs of the World. And then Drive Your Plow was from 2009. The Books of Jacob was from 2014. And then there's a book that just came out in Poland in 2022 that does not have a translation. Um, I would guess they would kind of speed up maybe some of these translations. Um, but if it if it takes a while, because I, I have a feeling that some of the nuance to her writing, there's probably there's a trying to get the meaning of this mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a very straightforward book maybe in pol like in polish like that maybe she plays with language a little bit um yeah maybe that's why it kind of takes so long but well yeah that's a different that's a tricky thing to do too yeah tone, getting yeah. the tone right i think is key in these books because the tone yeah. is very like crucial to how you read the yeah. story so that's what i was saying earlier about the translators the ones who can keep that really is impressive you know what's interesting about this is she works as a translator for william blake who wrote in english so i wonder how much because the epigraph above each chapter is a little quote from blake Mm -hmm. so i wondered that that was kind of interesting and there are some parts where she translates blake into polish but blake's english so that's that's interesting little bit of uh good stuff it's great it's um i'm glad you like this we can we can come back to her it was great oh yeah i'd be i'd be down she's on the list of, of uh authors to to get around to reading everything they've written well, i'll give you flights so you can read flights yourself or if you want to read that for the podcast but um yeah i had a, actually had a friend uh who i worked with who read this book and uh i remember uh he gave it five stars and then he saw us reading it he's like oh that's a great book i was like all right nice (laughs) so um yeah definitely read uh drive your plow over the bones of the dead great book good way to start the year this episode perfect except for the part where we had to record over two nights yeah but like we say it could be worse that's not the worst thing in the world Um, Matt, should we go over our TBR one last time? Because we just, oh, uh, I'm gonna get rid of Drive Your Pod because we just talked about that book. Let's see here. We have All the Seas of the World by Guy Gabriel K, The Blythedale Romance by Nathan Hawthorne, The Master Margarita, A Time to Be Born, and The Manta Core are t- the two books we just added tonight. We are going to finish Life and Fate in 2023, 
And we also have the Once the Future King as our seasonal book, which is probably going to turn into it. Take us a year to kind of talk about the whole thing. Um, I think that's everything we have on the TBR. So, what is that? Five, seven yeah. books? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's Kennedy still. Yeah. I'm still I still need to do Iron Weed by William Kennedy. And we have to do Sutri for Sutri our and special event of spring. We are over on our Patreon. We are doing our continuing our thriller. So we're in the process of getting votes. I need to put my votes in and then we'll compile point system and, and choose our uh, our next thriller. Yeah. And that could be halfway soon. We got most of the votes in. Okay. So um, so yeah, that's a, I feel good about our t- TBR. I think we, we added two strong books for GBA. It is worth, we couldn't have done just one this month. Um, those were good. We, good we, we started off strong because sometimes we, we nominate books and there's a clear like one or two, but this, I think this month we were, uh, we were giving our A effort for nominations. Yeah, I'm excited. Be honest with you. Good way to start the year. Don Powell, I'm very excited. Don Powell is. Mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite thing about doing the, the podcast is finding new authors, right? Mm-hmm. Dorothy Dunnett, Don Powell, Robert. We're Davies. gonna bring. Yeah, we're gonna bring Don Powell back into the cultural significance. I hope so. Mission. She's fantastic. Really is. Don't even question. So best best. One of the three best writers of the 20th century. There you go. I'll say it. Um, if you're listening to us on you know Spotify or iTunes, we do do episodes over on our Patreon account. We kind of mentioned that. So thriller stuff. We do have some like new, uh, like a gift item if you join us uh, and become a supporter over there. Uh, they're really cool coffee cups. Uh, yeah. With the artwork from our kind of social media that you see in our like Instagram or whatever. Uh, so if you're interested in that and interested in episodes that you don't hear kind of on our, our normal, you know, Spotify, iTunes, or however you listen to your podcast, uh, check us out there and support us. If you don't like it, you can just un- stop supporting us, but yeah. I think it's Let pretty fun. Worthwhile. Yeah. For as little as $3 a month and yeah. we'll send you a, a mug. I, yeah. Uh, and you get voting rights like for the thriller thing we're doing you get a vote and we get equal votes with everybody else and we tally them up and decide what to read that way so it's fun we read sports books over there um matt has a lot of takes on his his favorite football team so it's it's a fun time it's a good group of people over there commenting so um yeah start calling it the lounge the lounge lounge. or the how about no, the lounge is pretty good. Lounge is pretty good. The club. The club. Can't call it the Elks Club. I don't want to get sued by the Elks. How about we call it the lounge? The lounge. The lounge. But in a not sleazy way, in a fun way. A fun bookish way. The book lounge. This might be when I combine part one and part two, night one, night two of this episode. Mm-hmm. Might be the longest episode we've ever done. That's cool. Like I said, there's no clock, you know? It's just we got to figure out how not to try people's patience. And uh, hey, it's you know it's we're coming up on February here. February's you know short month, cold. It's cold. We're gonna have to turn around, pick a February book too. 
maybe we go short. Maybe go short. Short stories or something. Oh, a short, a short love story. I got a, I got a, I got a good nomination for February. You do? Yeah, it's perfect. You can't tell me. No. Honeysuckle Cottage by P.G. Woodhouse. Okay. It's hilarious. Is it short? It's short and it works either on Halloween or Valentine's Day. It's like a perfect short story. It's not a, a novel. Oh, forgot. I'm also reading uh, some essays by David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace, yeah, yeah. That's the oh. other. How are you? We can talk off air. I was going to ask how, how far you're going. You know, this. I'll revisit them. No, I'll revisit them with. You. I haven't started. No, I'm just saying. No. I get. I get. I don't know if other people have this issue. I get sidetracked reading stuff. Yeah, you're reading stuff uh, off, off script, off path. Yeah. But I'm also. I'm. All the seas of the world. I will say this right now. K. I. I'm gonna get K books. Guy. Nice. Wait, Good how show. should I pronounce his name? Guy. Guy, Guy, Guy. K. Guy Gabriel K. I'm uh, so happy you not, <laughs> you picked that book. It's good, isn't it? It's so fun. It's a fun he, book. He was watching the Chiefs game. I was perusing Twitter. And we follow him. Okay. And he tweeted something out about the Chad Henney. I was like, hey, he's watching the same game. He's a Canadian fantasy author. He's watching the. Uh, that book, yeah. I, I. That's a great book. We could maybe do that here soon. That might be our next book, full book thing. Okay. No, but, are we still uh, recording? We're still going. We're still recording, Matt. So yeah, all right. uh, <laughs> I will wrap this up. Uh, it's been a fun episode, Matt, and uh, we have a great TBR upcoming. So uh, continue to check us out and reach out to us on social media. Send us emails. We appreciate yeah, that. Send us in. I like mailbag. Uh, I enjoy your emails. And hopefully, and hopefully so. you'll read uh, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. See ya.